family, I'm so happy to announce the launch of my brand new premium podcast. It's called Ideas That Matter Plus. This is an exciting new development that we've been working on for some time. This after seeing a lot of you request coming through saying thank you for what we've done and wanting more. Ideas That Matter Plus is a more targeted podcast that focuses on business strategies and more high-level thinking to help highly ambitious entrepreneurs, SMEs, business owners and founders, even the CEOs of big business. It only costs 450 Rand per month and will be coming in, but I mean coming in hot. So, subscribe now to Ideas That Matter Plus, now available on Spotify or Apple Podcast Store. Sayonara. Hey, Vusi. Thank you for the podcasts of um, What I Wish I Knew When I Was 22 and also the podcast of Getting Unstuck. Anyway, this is Daniel Owen from Uganda. Now, I just want to share what I've learned from those two podcasts and you really shed good light on there. The first podcast of What I Wish I Knew When I Was 22 is Forgiveness is a Gift and also Time Takes Time. See, I'm in my 20s, I've just graduated school, you know, I'm looking forward to lots of things in life, I'm kind of excited, I'm just on there, you know, I'm just in between, you know, I'm just going, flowing with the flow. And also, I love the lesson that you really shared in Getting Unstuck. I listened to that podcast immediately when it dropped, and I learned so many things. You know, you had to... You shedded a light I learned from a book I read, the book of Unashamed Lecrae by a rapper called Lecrae himself, who said, when you live for people's acceptance, you die from rejection, and when you were shedding that light of your success and even the rejection you faced, well, you just brought it back to me, you know. Let me just share my experience here. I had a leadership post when I was in university and getting rejected was so, so tough for me, especially when I faced a mental health breakdown. You know, I was so down and a leader who people look at and they're like, hey, you're supposed to do this for us. You're supposed to stand in for us. The subordinates were like, oh my God, no, 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 we just can't go on with you, you know. That rejection was really sort of for me. I was down a lot. I I was like, you know what, I just gotta leave this. But I didn't and I just had to carry on. But thank you, thank you for the lessons. Thank you for the words. You know, thank you for the experience you've showed us. For us who are getting the experience in our twenties. And I guess by the time I reach your age, wow, I will also be as wise as you. Thank you. Good morning, Busi. My name is Bonola Madita and I'm a sustainable agriculture specialist from South Africa. So this morning I was listening to a podcast you did about getting unstuck and it resonated so well with me, particularly because of the season that I'm currently in. So for a bit of context, um, for the last four years of my career, I've been in the international institutions and IFIs so it is incredibly competitive and it's so difficult to navigate um, 
a career as a young South African. So what I want to know is how does one firstly navigate a career internationally and how does one deal with imposter syndrome? Because since the beginning of this year, I haven't been able to land a job in my space or industry rather. And this has forced me to sit down and work on myself as well as reflect on what I can do better. And I've realized that I'm actually struggling from imposter syndrome because I know I have the capacity and the capability to do my job. But it has been incredibly challenging just to find my space within this industry. Thank you so much. It's time to take your seat at the table. Find out how with Vosi Tembeguayo as we discuss ideas that matter. A catalyst for bold action. Hello, family. <laughs> we're back, we're back, we're back, everybody. Hello, family. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode last week. And some of those voice notes that you sent have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, and so much, and so much for those voice notes. They mean so much to me and to the rest of the team. We really appreciate it. Let's get right into it because I'm quite excited to talk about what we're talking about today, which is the subject matter of imposter syndrome raised by Bonolo. Bonolo, I completely understand where you're coming from. And, and, and I think you're absolutely on the money, as you mentioned, how it is that you're feeling and how it is that you're perceiving your lived reality. For those of you that don't know, I went and actually looked up where imposter syndrome comes from. It's a term that was first coined in 1978 in a paper titled The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and a Therapeutic Intervention. It was written by Pauline R. Clarence and Suzanne Imis, both of whom are psychologists. And for those of you who don't know what an imposter syndrome is, quite simply, it's a psychological pattern in which individuals doubt their accomplishments with a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. If you've ever been sitting in that room and you wonder, do I belong here? Or you don't think you belong there and you're wondering how long it's going to take people to figure out that you don't belong there. And all of that conversation is happening in your head. It typically comes because the people who've traditionally occupied those spaces don't look like you or don't come from your background or there is very little about, about them with which you can identify. And so as a consequence of this, you feel like you are a fraud being in that room that is typically occupied that the, by those people. Now, despite its original focus, the paper that was on women and subsequent studies found that its effects on both men and women across varying domains um, are just as acute, and listen to this, regardless of any level of success. So your question was quite specific, which is how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Now, I've suffered it too, by the way, I must tell you. Um, and, and I understand it well, really, really well, because we are our own biggest critics, right? You are the one talking to yourself at the back of your head every single day, criticizing you, calling you out, and you still see yourself as that, as that eight-year-old kid who grew up wherever you grew up. It doesn't matter how far you go or what you accomplish or how many degrees you get or how much money you make, in your mind, you are still that same 18-year-old person, and you see other people in the world have this lavish life or this incredible amount of success, and you can't ever see yourself as that. 
because you just don't believe that you deserve that. So how do you deal then with imposter syndrome? The first thing I like to do is just have a bit of a reality check. Every time I catch myself thinking that I'm not qualified to be in a certain space or feeling like I shouldn't be in that space, I write down those thoughts. I literally write them down. And next to each and every single one of the thoughts that is negative, I will counter it with evidence of my accomplishments that proves it is not so. You see, the reason you don't believe you belong in the room is because you're listening to the 2% noise in your head about the reasons why you don't think you belong in the room, where there is a 98% contribution margin you're making to the conversation in the room. And so, say for instance, Bonolo, that you don't feel you belong in that room because you think you are too young. Well, then you would write that down. I am too young. And next to that, you would write down all of the things you've been able to do at your young age. Or you would write down the, the other people who have done incredible things at the age of youth and recognize that your being in the room is not a function of your age. It's a function of your ability to make a meaningful contribution. You need to counter those negative thoughts with evidence of accomplishments, skills, and some positive feedback. And the key word there is evidence. You see, when there is negative thoughts in your head, what they call ants in psychology, always negative thoughts. When there is negative thoughts in your head, the only way to quieten the negative thought down is to amplify the positive evidence. But it's got to be evidentiary-based, not just a thought. The second, a very hard one, particularly for masculine men to do, but you've got to learn to talk about it. You've got to learn to open up about your feelings. Talk to a trusted friend, a mentor, a therapist, somebody. Often, I find, just voicing what it is that is my fear or voicing what it is that is my perception of myself in that moment to somebody else, just hearing me say it is an incredible way of helping me recognize and realize how unfounded my perspective is. There are times even where I might record myself saying it. And when I listen to myself say those things, I can't believe I, I dare doubt myself the way I doubt myself. David Goggins does this now. Admittedly, David Goggins is a bit of a special man. But David Goggins does this. Do you know what he does? He goes and he finds the negative comments from all of his followers on social media, and he reads out the negative comments with a live recorder. Then when he's working out or at the gym or writing or doing anything like that, he listens to the negative comments. He says it helps fuel him and at the same time keeps him humble. It gives him the drive to want to prove those people wrong, but reminds him always that he's just a mere mortal, just a human being. So talk about it. You'd also be very surprised once you start talking about things, how many people just like you feel the same way about themselves too. You know what's crazy? Is how many people who've achieved incredible things still feel that way? You'd be very, very surprised. Third, you need to learn to visualize success. Spend a few moments each day visualizing in your head a scenario in which you are the confident, successful, powerful version of you. Over time, these visualization exercises can help you either rewire your brain so that you feel more reassured or can help you have a more realistic conversation 
about what is your real life situation. Fourth, you need to learn to attribute success correctly. This is so important. Instead of attributing your achievements to luck or to external factors, give yourself credit. Say to yourself, that happened because of me. I did that. It's not I was in, it, you know, it was the right timing or the right people. Or, no, it's you. You are the person who was 110% behind the success that you've had. And you need to learn to positive message to yourself. Make a list of the hard work, the skills, the decisions that led to that accomplishment so that you can see that the accomplishment you think is a fraud is actually a function of process. Recognize the sacrifices you made that got you to that moment so that you can realize that it was a process-led achievement, not a luck-led achievement, not a connections-led achievement. It was process. The next one, the fifth is very important for you, Bonolo. I don't know how many of you do this. I don't anymore, but I used to when I was younger. You chronically compare yourself to other people. You look at where other people of the same age are or other people you went to school with are or other people in your social groupings are. You have to learn to avoid comparing yourself. See, if you resist the urge to compare yourself with others, then you have to feed that emotion with something positive. Everybody. Guys, everybody is at a different stage of their journey, but at the same time. We're all experiencing the same moment in time, but the stages we are at in our journey are different. So when you are comparing your behind-the-scenes reality with somebody's accurately curated highlights reel, you're always going to come up short. You have to learn to compare apples with apples. Compare you today to you yesterday. And then finally, and I know I'm guilty of this because I never do it. Learn to celebrate your achievements. When you achieve stuff, make a massive noise about it. Take the time. Announce it in no small way too. Let everybody know, even the haters, exactly what it is that you've achieved. Just taking a simple moment to acknowledge what you've done and sharing your success with others can be a great way for you to deal with the imposter syndrome. So if you ever find yourself hesitating when you are thinking about applying for that next promotion, or you find your, your ideas being overlooked in the workplace, or you find that people assume you are incompetent because of how you look or where you come from or how you speak English or away you went to school, you're not part of the in-crowd, all of those are kind of society's way of reinforcing the things that we believe about ourselves that we then over-amplify, and that feeds the imposter syndrome. If you ever find yourself in the boardroom and you are the only one of your type, the token representative, or you are the minority member and you find that people stereotype other members of your um, gendered community or other members of your demographic community. If you find that there are specific cultural nuances, for instance, that you struggle with belonging into the boardroom. I remember the first time, <laughs> this is so true. I remember the first time I had a board meeting and uh, it's a true story. I'm sitting in a board meeting. I'm in my um, mid twenties. I was just about to cross into the kind of that late twenties stage. And we're in the board meeting and they've served teas and coffees on the board table. 
It's an early morning board meeting. I hadn't yet had breakfast. I was famished. And the teas and coffees are there. And so I pour the coffee. And I watch the other board members who've now poured their teas and poured their coffees. And I wanted to get a scoop of sugar. Now, at the time, you know, I was, I was, I would binge sugar. And there's a context for this. Where I come from, and when I was growing up, sugar was a luxury. It wasn't a basic necessity. Your mom bought sugar, of course, but it was, it was not improbable that sometime during the month, sugar would run out. You guys know what I'm talking about. Sugar would just run out and you would have that tea or have that coffee or have that oats or have that meal and there'd be no sugar on it, right? So one of the things you learned was when there was sugar, you scooped a lot of the sugar. And so here we are, we're sitting in the board meeting and there's this like coffee station and I'm watching the other board members like serve. And then I go to the sugar canister and that little ceramic sugar canister has those tiny, tiny sugar teaspoons. You know, the ones where like you wouldn't feed a toddler with it because the spoon is so small. And now I'm sat thinking I would ordinarily with a traditionally sized teaspoon, take four teaspoons of sugar in my coffee. It's going to be like 16 scoops of teaspoon with this thing in it. And I'm watching around the room and all the other board members take a perfectly curated single teaspoon and they pour it into their perfectly manicured coffee. And at the back of my head, I'm no longer focused on doing this board meeting. At the back of my head, I'm now focused on how much sugar is okay for me to put in my coffee. And just that, just that bit of cultural nuance being in the boardroom shaped my experience as an individual in the boardroom. That conversation feeds into what you're saying to yourself at the back of your head. It feeds into what you think you can say in the middle of the meeting. It feeds into your believing you have something of value to contribute. All of that is white noise. You're making it. The world isn't. So, Bonanno, remember the six tips that I gave you. Find the evidence. Talk to yourself and talk to somebody else. And every time you find yourself doubting you, remind yourself of how you got to where you are. Write down the timeline of your life, when you were born, where you grew up, where you went to school. And you will see, even in the timeline of your life, that you have outshot the trajectory of your life, which means you, just on the balance of probabilities alone, are already an overachiever. So how dare you not be in that room? It's called the imposter syndrome for a reason. It's because it's in your head. And because it's in your head, it's hard for you to self-correct it. Last point for this week's podcast. It's now documented in academic evidence that almost all high achievers suffer the imposter syndrome. Of course they do. That's what makes them high achievers, no? The reason they practice more than the others, work harder than the others, show up earlier, leave later, is because somewhere at the back of their minds, in the deep recesses of their psychology, they still don't believe they belong in that room. They're waiting to be found out, waiting to be caught, waiting to be seen as the fraud they think they are. And in today's culture, where we call everything we don't understand a scam, it's not hard to be called a scam just because people don't understand you. So, be kind to yourself. 
talk positively to yourself and write your own story. That room you are being invited to has a chair in it, a chair with your name. Now, go take your rightful place at the seat of power. Sayonara. This podcast was proudly brought to you by My Growth Fund in partnership with Sound & Sounds Media.